I'm shocked it's taken me this long, but today we're going to talk about my favorite wrestler, at least my favorite current wrestler. His name's Pentagon Jr., sometimes Pentagon Dark or Penta L0M, but always the same guy. He's this hyper-violent skeleton ninja who breaks your arms after he beats you at wrestling. You'd think that would make him a hated villain, but he's a total anti-hero. It's that Roman gladiatorial bloodlust bubbling up, I guess, because people love this guy, even if he's attacking other human beings with broken glass or fire. We're going to dive deeply into his signature brand of violence, but his backstory is just as interesting. His whole thing is cero miedo, zero fear, but that hasn't always been true. He's always been physically fearless, but in the beginning, the character was incredibly insecure about his place in the world and his identity as a performer. His journey to becoming truly fearless starts with Chuck Norris, travels through a road of absentee father figures, makes a detour through weird fantasy martial arts mentorship, and terminates in a grotesque battle for self-actualization with a Canadian shadow pope. Today, on I Hate Wrestling, it's Pentagon Jr. Zero Fear. podcast. Thank you for having me. Of course. I'm, I'm, I'm always happy to have people. People who need people. <laughs> <laughs> I had a... Uh, Seagram's, right? <laughs> <laughs> I had a, a Dylan Thomas reference on the show the other day. Uh, my, my, whole, my whole goal at this point is to just have as many incongruous references I could, as I could possibly have on a pro wrestling podcast. <laughs> so, uh, a little peek behind the curtain. This is actually the first time we've spoken to each other. That's true. That's true. We were... we were uh, Put in touch by a mutual friend. A mutual friend of us and a mutual and friend of the listeners. That's right. Tara, who joined me to speak about the legendary Ravishing Rick Rude as well as... Mr. Regis Philbin, and whether or not he is a body guy, he is a body guy. It's it's established. <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about, please go back and listen to episode one, Simply Ravishing. You will not regret it. It's a real treat. It's uh, Thank you. Thank you for saying that. I agree with you. Um, so, Adam, my first question for you, as you may have gleaned from the title of the show... Do you, in fact, hate wrestling? I don't hate wrestling, but I will say that my feelings on it are not strong either way. Okay. So what you're saying is I should change the name of the show to I Am Ambivalent About Wrestling. Yeah, I'm apathetic about wrestling. Okay. I'm agnostic about wrestling. <laughs> okay. I know that it exists, and I will admit that it exists, <laughs> but I don't have strong emotional connection to it. Okay. So you have at least... you've progressed past the Camp David Accords of pro wrestling. <laughs> Affirmative, yeah. Okay. Thank you, thank you, Jimmy Carter. Your legacy is still strong. So, <laughs> I, I've, I've actually found that to be the case with a lot of people, is that uh, people don't give much thought to wrestling, as opposed to actively hating it. That said, I do enjoy 
the incendiary nature of the title, so I'm going to stick with it. Also, I paid for a logo, so here we are. <laughs> yeah, rock and roll. Right. Um, do, I, I, I do find that even people who are ambivalent have at least some relationship to it. Like, you've got an uncle who was into wrestling, or you your cousins were into it, or or, or whatever. Do you have any kind of... Uh, yeah, absolutely. Many friends. Okay. I uh, have for a long time been a part of... The, I don't know if... Maybe I should call it like a counterculture. I've read comics for a long time. I've played like tabletop uh, board games and miniature games. And I feel like wrestling fans sort of are mixed into that pool somehow. Okay. And it's hard not to be aware of the way there, there, there are many very high profile wrestlers who've transitioned into the mainstream as actors these days. So, That's true. You know, I'm, I'm definitely not ignorant of it. Um, have you ever, have you ever watched a full wrestling match before? Even accidentally. Once. Once? Do you remember what match it was? Not even once. Oh, no, not I even once. Seen one. Okay, so it's a blank canvas. You are a blank exactly. canvas upon which I might paint my masterpiece. <laughs> Please, yeah, <laughs> teach me. Okay, so I've actually, most of the people that I've had have seen at least one wrestling match before, even if it was like at a friend's house and they were half paying attention or something like that. You are, I think, the first person who has explicitly told me that you have never seen a whole wrestling match before. Now I'm excited. This is this is very interesting to me. So, I have to ask you in that case, what do you expect to what do you expect to see in your first pro wrestling match? Well, I expect to see some athleticism. Uh-huh. And based on the homework some high drama. High drama indeed. Yeah. Well, <laughs> If you had to make a 50-50 concoction and explain pro wrestling in a chemical sense, it would be about 50% high drama, 50% athleticism. Nailed it. So, um, what, do you, what do you think of when you think of pro wrestling? I think of crazy costumes. Right. Big bodies. Uh-huh. And the over-the-top, there's like a lot of posturing and... Uh, Smack talk is an important part of it. Okay. Um, okay, so that, I guess, gives us uh, a good amount of, of entree into today's, uh, today's match. So what we're going to watch today is from uh, Lucha Underground. Everybody, if you haven't seen any Lucha Underground, please do yourselves a favor and check it out. It is a film noir, pro-wrestling, supernatural telenovela. It's so many genres happening at the same time, and it's amazing, and I've already done at least one episode about it. I'm very bad about figuring out what my episode order is going to be, but I'm relatively sure that the episode about Phoenix and Will Muertes trying to bury each other alive is going to be airing before this one. So, What? Yeah. So everybody, listen to episode uh, Grave Consequences featuring Mil Muertes and Phoenix. <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm thinking... I'm just going to predict here. Episode six? Let's call it episode six. Episode six, everybody. Grave consequences. But this episode... I, do you want like a, a soundbite of me saying, it was a great episode? Yeah, yeah. In fact, please do that. Tell me what you enjoyed specifically about the episode. <laughs> specifically? <laughs> well, I don't want to put too fine a point on it and ruin it for any listeners who haven't listened to it yet. Right, without any spoilers, but please... The best part was definitely when they were trying to bury each other underground alive. 
<laughs> that was that was pretty pretty dramatic and pretty athletic in, in fact also. Okay, so speaking of speaking of drama, what did you think of the homework that I sent you? First of all, we open on a dojo. Yes. And I was already a shadowy uh, dojo. Exactly. You said film noir, and that really nails it. The, the lighting is like super. Uh, what's the word? Uh, Chiaroscuro. Chiaroscuro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, and I guess the the setting and him calling to his master had so much more fantasy than I expected. Yes. So uh, our our boy Pentagon Junior, who is uh, by the way, how would you describe Pentagon Junior's aesthetic? I look at him as more maybe animal than man. He's very <laughs> silent. He, his eyes are totally crazy. Uh, he's got like those co- like uh, light colored contacts. You know what I mean? Yes. That make him look uh, almost like a demon or something. Yeah. And you never see his face, and he's got that skull face point coming face paint underneath his mask and it makes him look very he's very intimidating very scary real force yeah he looks like if skeletor were actually scary yeah <laughs> 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 he-man ah, you'll never defeat me and my master he-man Matt, i've got to ask you yes is there a pentagon senior there absolutely is a pentagon senior and that's uh that's one of the the actual through lines of this match. There was a Pentagon senior, so a little bit of, of Lucha Libre history here, starting with Chuck Norris, as most Lucha Libre history does start. What? <laughs> yes, okay. So I promise it makes sense. In the early 1980s, there was a Chuck Norris movie called The Octagon. Uh-huh. And it was about Chuck Norris fighting ninjas. Okay, so Chuck Norris is fighting the, the, these evil ninjas, and the main evil ninja is Red. So. In name or in costume or what? In costume. Okay, got So, it. this movie was imported to Mexico, where it became a big hit, and Mexican wrestling promoters decided that they were going to get in on the popularity of this movie by creating a wrestler who dressed as a ninja in red called Octagon. So, Octagon became one of the biggest stars of the 80s in Mexico, and a lot of times in Mexican wrestling, when you have a a superhero-type character that blows up, you come up with a supervillain, like a bizarro version of the character, to be their arch-nemesis. So, the black ninja, Pentagon, was created. Oh, got it. So, Pentagon and Octagon had a short-lived rivalry. Pentagon was kind of a flash in the pan, but Octagon stuck around for years and years and years. Now, one other cool thing about Lucha Libre is that a successful wrestler can essentially adopt a successor. Like if there's a, a young up-and-coming wrestler whose style mirrors his own and you know he has the heart and the tenacity and he, he feels like this person would be a good fit to carry on his legacy, he can pass on his name and mask. He takes him as a ward. Yes, it's, a, it's essentially a, a, a Caesar Augustus situation. Okay, so in the early 2000s, mid-2000s maybe, Octagon found this kid who 
he decided to adopt as Octagon Jr. And Octagon Jr. was uh, was very popular, and so they decided that to fight Octagon Jr., they would bring in a Pentagon Jr. So they bring in a Pentagon Jr., and before this feud between the two of them even really gets going, WWE comes in and snaps up Octagon Jr. because they find out he can speak English. So they see this popular athletic kid who speaks fluent English, and they're like, no, 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 we will make you a TV millionaire. He's gone. He goes to the U.S. So that leaves Pentagon Jr. alone without the rival for whom he was created. <laughs> right. That leaves Pentagon Jr. He's a, he's a yin with no yang. Right. He is adrift, completely without context. You know, what would, what would Bizarro Superman be without Superman? Fucking pointless, right? Uh, yeah, exactly. So he's gone. Pentagon Sr. goes away. So Pentagon Jr. sticks around. He keeps the name, but he has no context. He's drifting. And he is stuck with his legacy name, but has no actual mentor to help him through. So... He eventually comes to, uh, he comes under the tutelage of this guy, uh, uh, Pedro Aguayo Jr., who is another sort of legacy character, and he takes Pentagon under his wing, and eventually he actually dies in the ring. It's very sad, in real life. Holy shit, in real life? In real life, died in the ring. Damn. And Pentagon is one of the few wrestlers in the company that he works for who gets called up to work on Lucha Underground. And when he gets called up to work on Lucha Underground, he finds himself again without a mentor, without context, uh, completely fresh to this new audience. They don't entirely understand the reputation that he's been building in Mexico. And he sort of spends the first couple of months in Lucha Underground drifting around and trying to find someone to mentor him. And he picks Chavo Guerrero Jr., who is sort of, sort of a legendary wrestling scumbag who immediately discards him. It's rough. And then, all of a sudden, he starts talking about this master. And he becomes exponentially more vicious and also exponentially more successful. And he starts running through guys. And he starts breaking their arms as a sacrifice to his master. So, that's sort of where we are. Pentagon has spent most of his career up to this point essentially doing Are You My Mother, but with a pro wrestling mentor. <laughs> right. And he's finally found somebody who is willing to uh, basically take him to the next step in his career. And it appears to be this spooky, ghostly mentor that he summons in his film noir karate dojo. <laughs> right. And that kind of that kind of tells us where Pentagon is mentally at this point. So the, it's, it's a real magical thing that kind of happens because he's, it, this story that you told me about Pentagon is really existential. Yes. His whole identity was defined as his position as somebody else's ward. And by adopting this master that's sort of kept in the shadows, it not only gives him a purpose but allows him to be the star of this, his own story. Yes. Yes, absolutely correct. You know who he reminds me a lot of is Darth Maul. Oh, Darth Maul. Yeah, I could see that with the face paint. Yeah, exactly. And the fact that he has a shadowy master. And... Oh, it's awesome. Right. So we should also talk about 
the guy he's antagonizing. Vampiro. Vampiro. Yes, they made reference in this video that you sent me to some previous beef. What is that all about? Okay, so... Uh, Vampiro is the commentator, the color commentator for Lucha Underground. He had been a wrestler for many, many years, uh, including in Mexico. He kind of was, he kind of had a Misfits thing going on. Okay. And he did some really horrible things, lit a guy on fire on TV. Uh, oh my God. Right. And... But now he's the story is that he's sort of reformed, and now he's just here to be your, uh, you know, your lucha libre uncle, and hold your hand through this crazy journey into lucha underground. But he got involved in a match between Pentagon and this woman, Sexy Star. And Pentagon was about to break her arm, like he do. That's kind of his thing. But during the match. Vampiro was on commentary and was talking about how his daughter, his young, who's like 12 years old or something like that at the time, his young daughter was really inspired by Sexy Star and really looked up to her. And when Pentagon was about to break her arm, Vampiro ran into the ring and physically removed Pentagon from Sexy Star. So, So that's where the two kind of come together. Up until that point, Vampiro had been very complimentary of Pentagon because he was saying like, you know, this kid reminds me a lot of me at his age, like that viciousness, that drive, like I really, I really get where he's coming from. But when that was directed at somebody that Vampiro personally liked, he intervened. And from that point, Pentagon and his master decided that Vampiro was going to be the next sacrifice. Does that make sense? Yeah. For his, he, so he's, he's next up to get his arm broken. Correct. Why was Vampiro so apologetic about stepping into this ring? Because he's retired. Because he doesn't want to have to fight Pentagon. Pentagon is a young guy at the time, I think like 26, 27 years old. Vampiro's north of 40. His body is essentially being held together by painkillers and scotch tape. (laughs) Like, he should not be fighting somebody at Pentagon's level at this point in his life. And like I said, also, he understands where Pentagon is coming from. I'm sure Vampiro sees what Pentagon was doing and thinks of a situation where he would do the same in that point in his life. So I think that's why he's apologetic. One, because he, he identifies with Pentagon. And two, because he doesn't really want Pentagon to beat him to death on television. Sure. Um, I gotta say though, when in the in the end of the video, when Vampiro does that sort of misdirect that Ian Hodgkinson's not gonna be who Pentagon Junior is facing, but instead it will be Vampiro, and he rips his shirt open, and the crowd goes crazy. That really got my blood pumping. Yeah, it's awesome. It's pretty cool, right? Because he spends the whole time saying like, "I'm not that guy anymore. I'm not that guy anymore, brother. I'm not that guy." You know, like, I'm just, I'm just a father. You know, I love my job. I love my job. Like, he's very kind of, he's trying very hard to be like this cool dude. And like, I don't want to, I don't want to fight you. But then it seems like Pentagon has pushed him to the point where he is willing to fight. And we should talk about how, how Pentagon pushed him that far. 
in attempting to burn him alive. Yeah, oh my god, I almost forgot about that. I don't know how. That was crazy. Even people in the audience were, you know, jumping out of the way. They were booing. It was really like, people were having a really emotional response. Uh, how could you not? He almost burned him alive. Right. And, oh, so is that a reference to what Vampiro did to, what you just told me Vampiro did to somebody else? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. That would be, that would be what they're referencing. And you mentioned, you mentioned when he said Ian Hodgkinson, that's Vampiro's real name. Oh yeah, he is chewing it up. And yeah. one of my favorite moments is when he really hangs on, he says, uh, I forget the lead in, but he ends the line with a just sweet syrupy Ian. Yes. Oh, it was so good. Yes. <laughs> just dripping with hatred and disdain, and pe- the people in the crowd, so dirty. <laughs> and the people in the crowd pop for it too. Oh yeah, <laughs> it got a great reaction. It got one out of me. I loved it. Yeah, Ian. <laughs> <laughs> but. Ian apparently is willing to to become Vampiro again. He's willing to become a monster to fight the monsters of the world, as they say. Well, listen, everybody has their shit tolerance. Right. And he got pushed too far. Right. It's a, it's kind of the the Dark Knight, right? Like, Pentagon is trying to push, uh, push the hero past his his breaking point. And Pentagon's the Joker in the situation. Yeah, he's the he's the Joker yeah, in this situation. That. Um. So do you have any do you have any other thoughts about the homework? Do you have any other questions about the homework? Do we ever find out who Pentagon Jr.'s master is? We're about to find out who Pentagon Jr.'s master is. Oh, here it comes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh before before we start, um, what do you expect to see between these guys in this match? I don't know, you know, I I feel like the match is pretty evenly weighted. Vampiro is old. He's got experience, but like you said, he's over the hill. Tempered by his his ferocity, he's been pushed so far. Vampiro, uh, Pentagon is hungry. He's young. He's got his master. He's got a mission. And like I said, he seems to be... He, he has the drive of like an animal. Yes. He's, he's a real force. He's like a predatory animal. He attacks people like he's a wolf or something. It's, I was just going to say that, a wolf. Yeah, or maybe a hyena. It's very, it's very vicious. Um, and Vampiro was like that when he was younger, but he is, as you say, old. It's kind of a, it's kind of a Rooster Cogburn situation, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I should point out that this is a... Cerro Miedo match, zero fear match, which means, uh, in this case, there are no rules. Oh, shit. So there are no disqualifications, no countouts. The only way to win is by pinfall or submission. And the good folks at El Rey Network have been kind enough to upload this match in full on YouTube. I encourage you to please follow along with us. However, I should add a content warning. If you are a person of squeamish constitution, maybe don't, because this match is extremely violent and there is blood. There, yeah. there, there will be blood. Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis will be there. 
that that's the reveal. His so his get mentor. Get out your milkshakes, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> his his mentor is is actually. Daniel Day-Lewis. It's actually a pro wrestling retelling of Gangs of New York, which uh, is very surprising. (laughs) Okay, so uh, if we're all queued up, I'm going to press play. So this is at Ultima Lucha, which is the last show of season one of Lucha Underground. It's basically their WrestleMania. This is the show that pays off all the storylines that they've been telling all year. So they've been building to this for months and months and months. Oh, so this rivalry was kind of like front line in the story of the season? Yeah, this is definitely one of the longest running storylines. You see on his shirt there, Pentagon, half of his face is his own mask. The other half of his face is Pedro Arroyo, who was his, his... deceased mentor. I see. So, uh, in memoriam. Yes, but also kind of telling because even on his own shirt, he's he's sort of repping for one of his mentors, which kind of reminds you visually how much of a student he still is. It also calls to mind the presence of death in the ring kind of raises the stakes a little bit. Yeah, speaking of the presence of death, take a look at what our friend Vampiro has decided to wear into battle. He's like an anti-pope. Yes, Vampiro uh, has decided to wear a a dark pope getup, including like an incense, uh, what are those called, a censer? Yeah, yeah, I don't know what they're called, but with the incense. Yep. And he's got an inverted cross on his papal tiara with a V on it. Pentagon flashing the Cerro Miedo gesture to him. And Pentagon, uh, this, that's what Pentagon's hand signal is. He does basically an OK signal for the O, and then he turns the hand down to show uh, an M. So the idea is zero fear. And Vampiro on his way down, after, after Pentagon flashed him Cerro Miedo, he just flashed back the M without the without the Cero. The idea being that Vampiro knows what fear is, and he's going to bring fear into this match. Oh, that's so subtle, but such a good sting. I know, right? And you have it's to like Nega Pope. Right, Nega Pope, Bizarro Pope. Bizarro Pope. Yeah, there you go. So, that's the other thing I, I wanted to say is that. Oh, never mind. This is more important. Uh, Pentagon Jr. has a chair. (laughs) So just immediately, just there, we get the idea. There's not going to be a feeling out process here. They're not going to be trading holds. He is right in the middle of his ritual. Yeah. Uh, Vampiro still, I think, had a little bit more showboating to do. And Pentagon just decided to hit him with a chair. Just straight out of the box. And he, Vampiro was it trying to... It doesn't even matter if you're in the ring or out of the ring. Correct. Falls count anywhere in this building. So at this point, Vampiro still has his papal vestments on, and Pentagon is chasing him into the audience to try to beat him with a steel chair. Look at the woman carrying a baby. <laughs> <laughs> I don't... Listen, I'm not a parent, but I feel comfortable criticizing your choices if you have brought your infant child to 
this particular match. It looks like a hot ticket, though. I mean, the place is packed. The place is packed, and they're just they're throwing hands up there. Yep. At least Vampiro has finally shed his his papal vestments and is attempting to escape from the ring. He manages. He got a couple hits in at least. He got a couple hits. He hit him with a headbutt, and now he's sort of fleeing. And Penneth grabs somebody's <laughs> water bottle and throws it at him, just to be a dick, I guess. Nothing is sacred. Yeah. Yeah, as you might imagine from a fight where one guy shows up dressed as an anti-pope. <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> so. He really, he, he's getting booed a lot too. Yeah, so at this point he is pulling up the mats, the protective mats on the concrete floor. And he is oh, just, no. he's just dropped. Oh. Yeah, he's dropped a 40 plus year old man directly onto the concrete. And uh, Vampiro is in a bad way at this point. He's got another chair, yeah, just casually, oh, casually pelting his body with thrown steel chairs. With chairs that seem to come out of nowhere. They just keep coming. Yes. <laughs> and now he's leaned one chair against Vampiro's arm and is hitting it with a second chair. Which is just, you know, he's an artist when it comes to hurting people's arms. It's true. You know, they're... There are, these are a lot more ways to use a chair than I would have thought of before this match. Yep. So the referee there is throwing up the X. He just crossed his arms in front of his chest, which is, it used to be a way that you knew that somebody was being hurt. Oh, a vampiro casually, oh my God. casually being choked with video cables here. But throwing up the X used to be a signal that fans weren't supposed to know about, and it means that somebody's really hurt. So, oh, bringing out the gurney. Right. Eventually, fans caught on to the to the X, and so now it's part of the show also. So, if you see an X, it's a wink and a nod, and they're saying, "Okay, well, we want you to think that this is not part of the match, that this is not really scheduled to happen." But Vampiro is being taken away by a gurney, gets back to his feet, and sort of staggers back to the ring. And Pentagon looks after beating up the paramedics <laughs> that were trying to help him. Right. And Pentagon is. Alarmed. Um, so there are distinct stages to this match. I think it's safe to say that Pentagon won the first stage of this battle. He really kind of took it to this guy. And now we see Vampiro. Vampiro kind he's of, kind of got a drunken boxing style going on now. Right. He's very hurt, but he seems to be fighting back almost on instinct. Which makes sense, because he's buried the Vampiro part of himself very, very deep. So you have to imagine but he's... still in that muscle memory. Right, he said that... Oh, here's some thumbtacks, by the way. What the fuck? So he said that he's Ian Hodgkinson now. He doesn't, Vampiro's not there. But we also know that Vampiro is there. But you can't just flip a switch. You have to imagine that the Vampiro part of him is maybe taking a while to come back to life. And he throws Pentagon directly oh into... Oh my god! Yeah, he's thrown Pentagon into a pile of thumbtacks. And now, going up to the top rope, and he misses, and... Uh, lands Thumbtacks the shit out of himself! Yeah. Oh, the hubris. 
the hubris. Oh, and here's Pentagon with some fluorescent light tubes. You know how you, you have to keep those under the ring in case of emergency. Yeah, in case one of the ones in the ceiling goes out. Right. You know, just, just in case. I bet you never imagined that pro wrestling included, uh, you know, beating somebody with fluorescent light tubes. No. Oh, Jesus. I know. It's, uh, it's, it's kind of hard to watch. But, but you know, the chairs, I feel like the chairs are, are sort of a staple, but thumbtacks and light bulbs, I didn't yep. know that was part of it. Yeah, and now... Oh, there's blood now. Yeah, and now gouging... <laughs> gouging his forehead with broken glass. Yikes. Jeez. And it was like one of the bottoms of that light bulb. Yep, and licking the blood off of his hand. That's so a monster. Yeah, but symbolically, he's drinking a vampire's blood, so that's a, that's a power move, you'd have to say. Oh, uh, yeah, true. <laughs> But at the same time, look at how Vampiro is reacting at this point. Or, or I should say, not reacting. Has Pentagon... I love the little strut he does there. But, yeah, it's a nice little dance. But has, has Pentagon pushed Ian to the point where the monster inside of him is maybe waking up? Because it looks like he's in kind of a fugue state, right? Right. He's maybe in some sort of... The Vampiro entity is maybe in some breaking out of some kind of chrysalis at this point. His whole body language is changing. He's not stumbling as much. He's still moving slowly, but look at that smile, a slight smile. Even his posture has changed, the way that he's carrying himself. Yup, and look at that, now a full smile. And you see that guy raise his hands up and he go, you can see him mouth Vampiro, because... Yeah, he's risen. He has risen. So Pentagon is laying in the strikes, even including a headbutt to his open wound, and Vampiro is just smiling because he's back. Now he, like I said, has literally become a monster to fight a monster. And you gotta put this little upstart in his place. Right, and he is a monster with a lot more experience than the other monster. Look at the blood. On Pentagon Jr.'s shirt, by the way. Pentagon Jr. normally wears all black, but the white is sort of an interesting way to show. Ah! And. Oh, fuck! Yes, Pentagon has also been thrown into some glass, and you saw no reaction on Vampiro's face. This is a day at the office for Vampiro. And now he's. Everyone is loving it. Everyone's yeah. so excited to see him take the upper hand. Right, and he is ripping open Pentagon's mask, which one is a if you if you've listened to any of my other episodes about Lucha Libre, is a massive breach of etiquette, a huge, uh, a huge gesture of disrespect, and also has the visual. The visual power of looking like Pentagon's face is being ripped open, since that is his public face. Oh, now he's drinking the blood. Now Vampiro he's is back, drinking baby. the blood. Yep. Oh. And again, Damn, right over his head. Just casually smashing a fluorescent light tube over another man's head, and now the blood is pouring from Pentagon. So ripping his mask open is kind of like cutting off a samurai's top knot or something. Yes, it's it's like that, but it also it's like when Spider-Man's mask is torn. You know, it's a way to show that the battle is is getting serious, and also that his facade is cracking. Like, there's a human being who is hurt underneath that character. 
So these guys are both they have thumbtacks all over their back and legs now. I know. And Pentagon was trying to leave the match, or try at least trying to leave the ring, which is the first time we've seen him retreat. Vampiro managed to catch him. So he always says zero fear, but it looks like at least in this case, there's at least a little bit of fear. Oh, oh my God. And again, thrown right into the center of the ring with all the broken glass and tacks. And Vampiro just... These guys are both covered in blood. Yeah, and Vampiro rises from the dead yet again. And just casually going to the floor, maybe he has a surprise for, for Pentagon. This is the first time that he's introduced a weapon into the match. Every other time, it's been Pentagon. I love how off-model Pentagon looks with his mask torn. You know? Yeah, he's, uh, he's totally falling apart. Yep. And what is the, no the, weapon that, the weapon that Vampiro has decided to introduce? It's just He's brought out a table, but he's also got a lighter and a little can of lighter fluid. Yeah, just fire, casually, just fire, he's going to use. But this is part of his story. The audience knows exactly what this means. Right, he's got a, he's got a history of lighting people on fire. Pentagon used that history to goad him into this match, and now it seems that that is going to be turned against Pentagon. It's all very poetic. There was a tight on a little kid in the audience who looked like he was about to pass yeah. out. Yep. I love that Vampiro uh, took the oh, time. Shit. Ah! Vampiro's whole body is now on fire. Pentagon managed to take control of the situation and hurl him through that flaming table. And now he's followed Vampiro's body out to the floor where one, two, three, he pins the, he pins the veteran to win this match. And just look at his face. It is a ghoulish crimson mask. He, Seeping into the white and oh, it's everywhere. I know. And now he's got his microphone. I love that giant cardboard Pentagon sign. Yeah, that's a good one. So Vampiro has re-entered the ring at this point, And he's screaming at Pentagon to break his fucking arm. He's demanding that Pentagon break his arm like he's done to all the other sacrifices. Pentagon even seems a little confused, right? But... It's a weird thing to ask for. Right. But Pentagon's going to do, do it. He's going to do it. You know, Pentagon lives to serve and snaps the arm... Oh, and you can see just broken glass sticking out of his head. He's got the microphone. Son. What? 
<laughs> bombshell. Yeah, and you see the people in the audience losing their fucking minds. Everyone is losing their mind. Pentagon kneels before Vampiro, who embraces him. And at this point, Cerro Miedo, they, they do the hand signal together. Vampiro with his ruined arm, both of them bleeding buckets, covered in broken glass. Whatever this ritual was, it has brought them together. And it seems like, at this point, both these guys have what they wanted. Damn. I ever, by the way, if you, if you ever watched the video, in the crowd... At the moment of this bombshell, you could see hands go up to heads everywhere. Everyone's hands went up to cover their faces to the side of their head. Oh my god, it was awesome. Yep. And then you see people, If you, even if you can't read lips, you can tell people are chanting, Holy shit. Holy shit. It's quite a reveal. And it's... I mean, it's, it's such a beautiful, dramatic art. That, like, you have to, because you have to sort of defeat your own father figure. It's very Oedipal to sort of come into your own, right? Right. And what I enjoy is, you know, you might, you might ask, well, how did Pentagon not know that Vampiro was his master? But then there's also this relationship between Ian Hodgkinson and Vampiro, because we watched this match, and only about three quarters of the way through did we see Vampiro really come through. So it raises other questions about the, the relationship between Ian Hodgkinson and Vampiro, and is, this, is Vampiro sort of an entity who shares a body with Ian Hodgkinson? You know, is it something he could never put behind him because it was always, you know, a passenger that he carried with him? Was the Vampiro entity calling to Pentagon without telling him who he was? That's, that's kind of how kinda I... like a Hulk banner situation. Yeah, that's kind of how I read it, that the the vampiro entity was drawn to pentagon and he knew that pentagon was the person who could draw him out of ian so by by having pentagon target ian he was mentoring Vamp- he was venturing pentagon but he was also ensuring that he could find his way out of the place where ian had buried him if that makes sense yeah, and uh, it also makes Ian's relationship with the master and student relationship complicated. Like, is it, Vamp- uh, Vampiro wanted to mentor Pentagon Jr., but maybe Ian had, like, feelings of reticence about it. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. And you, you could see also it kind of throws into sharp relief the confrontation that they had before the match. Where you could see Ian's, we'll call him Ian's, hemming and hawing. Because he went back and forth from saying like, hey, I get where you're coming from, and then also like, my time is over. Like, but if you want to throw down, but my time is over. Like, you could sort of see him going back and forth. And if you go back and you you view it through the lens of this alternate personality that he's buried sort of fighting to get out, then it makes a lot more sense. And as, as a, 
he's kind of a father figure. Yes. And the lesson that he's trying to teach Pentagon Jr., I think he could only set the stage. The Pentagon Jr. had to make the choice. He had to be, he had to have the initiative. Yes. To take this match into the ring. Correct. So what, what did you think of the match in general? I was enormously entertained. I have to say that as much as I, I love the fighting and the drama of the fight was so exciting, but to me it was totally trumped by the drama of the story, of these characters' relationships. And, I mean, it was, it was really remarkable. And I think, I think it was played that way because the fighting is, uh, got sort of like primed everybody. And, I mean, it climaxed in this giant fire stunt that was awesome. But then, on top of all that, they dropped this crazy bomb that Vampiro has been his master the whole time. And that was, that was the biggest shock of all, even, even on top of all the violence. Yeah, yeah. And you have to remember, too, that this is the biggest show of the year, and it's happening toward the end of the card, so people had already seen a bunch of crazy stuff. They'd already seen a bunch of long-term rivalries get blown off. I, I, I want to say that this there's only one or two matches, and then it was the end of the show. So this wasn't the main event, but it was a semi-main event. And the fact that people had already seen all of this other stuff and were still this hot for this match tells you everything you need to know about how well they had built this story. I think they just do they do everything right, the match itself is good, but it doesn't happen in a vacuum. There are some matches that you can watch in a vacuum where it's just like, you know, guy in the blue corner versus guy in the red corner, and we like this guy and we don't like the other guy. And it's just a very natural physical story. This match is a physical spectacle, but I think what makes it special is the context. Yeah, absolutely. And... That's absolutely something that pro wrestling does very well. And when pro wrestling does it very well, it is something to behold. Would you say that this is in like a standout story in the Lucha Underground? Absolutely. Absolutely. To the point where Pentagon Jr. was not supposed to be the protagonist of Lucha Underground, and he sort of became the protagonist. There's this other guy, Prince Puma who is a phenomenal wrestler, you know, an insane athlete. He has a move called the 630 Splash, where he jumps straight up in the air and rotates 630 degrees on the way down. Now, it's crazy. Pentagon Jr. can't do that. But Prince Puma can't do this, if that makes sense. And, yeah, and Pentagon Jr. just has this charisma. He has so much charisma. I know, star power, it factor, whatever you want to call it, he's just exuding it. And he essentially forced their hand in making him the protagonist of this show. And, you know, flash forward to, you know, mid-2018, uh, three years later, and Pentagon, uh, Pentagon Jr., uh, known as Pentagon Dark now, he, uh, oh, that's yeah, at some point in season two, under Vampiro's tutelage, he undergoes a sort of evolution or metamorphosis, and he becomes a more powerful version of himself known as Pentagon Dark. 
and now in mid-2018, Pentagon Dark is the Lucha Underground champion and has been for a quite a long time. Oh, he's still fighting? They're still doing these matches? Yes, Lucha Underground is still going. Uh, season 4 just started up. Listen, selfishly, Lucha Underground is one of my favorite pro wrestling shows. Pentagon Jr., Pentagon Dark, whatever you want to call him, is currently my favorite active wrestler. So please support Lucha Underground, support Pentagon Jr., uh, watch Lucha Underground on the El Rey Network if you have premium cable. If you don't have premium cable, you can watch it on Sling TV, which you can you can get on, on most smart devices. And I am imploring you, please watch Lucha Underground. I want only the best for Pentagon, and I want as much Lucha Underground as I can get in my life. So please, support this. It's such an interesting show. It's such a unique product. We need more of it. It was amazing. And I can see why I, it's surprising, but so gratifying that Pentagon Jr. became the hero. Because even though he's despicable, he's like, he was doing all these terrible, violent things, and people, I mean, the crowd booed him so much. But like you said, he had this sort of existential hole. He was adrift. Right. And in this moment, he gets the thing that his heart truly desired. And that's something that everybody can get on board with, whether or not you, you want, you, whether or not you like him, you get that this is something that he needed in his life, and everybody, it's so exciting to see that happen. Right. Yep. And he becomes like, I wouldn't say he ever becomes a hero. He becomes a protagonist and let's say anti-hero. And he never stops being vicious. He never stops breaking people's arms. But he does stop getting booed. He gets he stops getting booed something fierce. <laughs> and people just embrace him. And I think part of that is in this match. You see people booing him and cheering Vampiro, but then some people cheering him and people also cheering Vampiro. And then at the end, when Vampiro embraces him, everyone is, is cheering. Because the guy they like has embraced the guy that they disliked almost out of obligation. So it has made it okay to throw their full support behind Pentagon Jr. going forward, if that makes sense. Yeah. And that was this step of his self-actualization. Next comes uh, no longer needing a master. You know, how do we, how we, how do we navigate that? Because at some point... He has to be his own man. He can't be somebody's disciple anymore. So that's addressed down the line. And there's just so much that goes into this, the violent self-actualization of Pentagon Jr. It's, it's such, a, such a rich tapestry. So do you have any other thoughts about the match? Any other thoughts about Lucha amazing. Underground? It was amazing. Any other thoughts about... Yeah, I had such a good time. I know, it's so, it's so cool. Uh, any other thoughts about Vampiro, about... Uh, about Pentagon, about blood, about that weird lady who brought her baby to this fight? <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if that baby came around many seasons down the line. <laughs> In season 30 of Lucha Underground. <laughs> you remember that baby. Yeah, it's... He's here. Yeah, it's very, uh, like, Game of Thrones levels of, of pre-planning and foreshadowing. I feel like there already is Game of Thrones levels of complexity in this storytelling. You're right. You're right. 
There's tons of characters. They're all intertwined. Relationships form and break in dramatic ways. And nobody's really and a super good. Yeah, nobody's really a super great person. <laughs> right. Yeah. Everyone has suspect motivations at times. Yeah. Yep. I would say I would say calling it the Game of Thrones of professional wrestling isn't isn't necessarily incorrect. <laughs> I love it. Um. All right, so at this point, we're going to start wrapping up the show. I'm trying this new thing where I credit people. Can you imagine that? Um, my, uh, my theme song is The Crusher by The Novas. My logo was designed by my good friend, Corinne Dodenhoff. Uh, Adam, I want to thank you for being on the show today. And this is how I end every show. I have to ask you what your wrestling character would be. Oh, my wrestling character. That's right. I feel like now I want to be a part of Lucha Underground. <laughs> I think a good like Spanish name. <laughs> uh, what about uh, Alfonso? That's a good Spanish name. Yeah, that is a good one. <laughs> Alfonso, it is. <laughs> First name Alfonso, last name it is. <laughs> and you would have to be like you would have to do a who's on first style. A who's on first style routine with your name yeah that's the mystery that's how I confuse it before I go in for the headbutt <laughs> <laughs> okay so so paint me a picture of Alfonso it is Alfonso it is definitely wears a suit okay maybe like Chippendale style maybe like a, a suit jacket but no like shirt underneath <laughs> with a bow tie I, want, I definitely want like a Zorro mustache <laughs> a pencil mustache an Errol yes. Flynn-esque mustache <laughs> Errol Flynn nails it okay maybe you know what a Zorro eye mask too okay yeah nice carnation <laughs> that if we're going vaudevillian I could squirt water out of it <laughs> you should squirt blood out of it <laughs> oh yeah that's perfect <laughs> if it's Lucha Underground <laughs> Yeah, you know what? It should be a white carnation that squirts blood out of it so you can see the blood splattered all over the flower by the end of the match. <sighs> Alfonso, it is. It is. <laughs> My name is Ian Hodgkinson. A ver, tu nombre es qué? Pacific, el vampiro no entiende. Le voy a preguntar una vez más. ¿Quieres enfrentarme y a? <laughs>